Welcome, boys and girls, to another beautiful episode, Cup of Nurses, episode 47. How are we doing? Thank you, everyone, for tuning in with us on this amazing day. Whoever's listening, wherever you are, we appreciate you guys downloading episodes. And don't forget to shoot the five stars, give us a review. And if this podcast provides any value, please share with your friends and family. It means the world to us. And don't forget to check out Frontline Warriors, Awesome movement we got going on. Some cool stuff coming out. But as always, we have a very interesting episode this time around. We're going to talk about the GMO mosquitoes that are going to be introduced and released into Florida for the first time. We're also going to talk about the gut microbiome and how it influences blood pressure and maybe causing hypertension. And it's crazy because I looked at some stats and there's about 20% of people that are not able to be treated for their blood pressure yeah. by... The regular standards or protocols that we have. So through of, pharmaceuticals. Exactly. Yeah, through pharmaceuticals. So out of all of our people that have hypertension, 20% of them, we can't figure out why we can't get the blood pressure down and our medication isn't working on them. So that's kind of why I wanted to to bring this bring this up. And then the other one is GMO mosquitoes, another mind-blowing thing. This is completely new and this is this is going to be done for the first time in the United States ever. And we're, and, and we're officially changing ecosystems mm-hmm. with like what's happening. And it's just crazy to just get into it, understanding this, that this passed through the EPA and everything. And we've, we've decided to change the DNA of a species of mosquitoes. And now we're going to see the, the benefits and the, the risks of yeah. this. Super interesting because like Matt said, they take a specific type of mosquito and then they change up his DNA. And this one is actually the Aedes mosquito. There's so many mosquito types out there. So you might ask, why did we decide to target this specific one? We targeted this, this one because even though it only makes up 4% out of all the mosquitoes in the Keys, seems pretty small compared to you know the 96% that are yeah. non-80s, but these mosquitoes have been shown to be the most disease-carrying and infectious ones in that area. So this is like a good place to, to start. Now, what's also interesting about these is that we're only mutating the male uh, DNA because the females are the only ones that are able to suck on human blood. So the males actually just get the nutrition nectar. From, from nectar, and the females are the ones that are actually um, transmitting the disease and everything. Correct. So what they do is they genetically modified a kill switch in, in the male mosquito that doesn't affect the male, but affects the females. So they pass off this genetic material, the genetic kill switch. So once only a female reaches a certain certain uh, milestone in, in their larva and their development, they automatically die. But yeah. the males survive. So ideally, they're trying to decrease the amount of females and increase the amount of males to kind of depopulate those mosquitoes. Yeah, let's, let's just wrap that around our minds that like we have the ability to switch DNA and make this killer switch in the genome of a freaking mosquito. And they, they don't reproduce. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have a bunch of males of this species which is not going to be able to, you know, transmit uh, Zika, yellow fever, and all the other viruses that this specific type of virus is, you know, yeah. causing issues. And the the only repercussion is this is figuring out what is going to happen to the ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. What are the repercussions of not having mosquitoes in nature? You know, is it the algae that they're, um, you know, consuming? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not familiar with the mosquitoes in their life. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. And you need to look at it because this could be like a ripple effect. Yes. You genetically modify one organism to depopulate it, and organisms that are, that are, that are eating that mosquito, that are, are relied on their life, they are going to be affected as well. 
So we might see another decrease in the population of certain animals that only eat these Aedes mosquitoes. Because maybe there's not going to be enough of these in, pop in the population to feed all these animals, right? Because you're wiping out the females. So they're not going to reproduce as much, so you're dropping it. Yes. So that's going to affect them. And then whatever animal eats that animal, like it's going bat, to affect it. for example. And that, yeah, and it keeps going, it keeps going to, to who knows? It might affect us directly in, in a million years or in a thousand years. Yeah, that's what it is, that ripple effect that you notice. It's like the drop of water, correct? It's... Uh, but unfortunately, in this ripple effect, it's not going per perfectly circular. It's affecting different things. Just like in this aspect, the bats might suffer. And that's a whole chain reaction of maybe uh, crickets are going to be over-infesting the lands now mm. because there's a decrease in bats. Like yeah. Scientists can't predict those things till we see it in full effect. So, hey, Florida's releasing these mosquitoes. Mm. In the next few years, we're going to see, just like with everything, the repercussion of... The progressive mentality of trying to better society by genetically modifying mosquitoes. Right. So that's pretty interesting to see what's going to what's going to happen. It could have a very big upside, but you know, there's also a negative side when when we do things. So I was actually curious on how people figure out which kind of new technology to to bring about because this is new technology, yes. GMO mosquitoes. So I actually looked at some regulatory structure that are required, and there's actually four pillars in this. So people bring out these ideas how to create new technology or how to bring it to fruition it has to have these four things. One of them is public health. So is there a need for it? Number two is a regulatory, which is may it be done. Number three is social. Should it be done? And scientific is number four. Can it be done? So it has to answer all these questions for it to be considered something that's going to be released into, into the, the community, into the society. And one of, a, one of those things, just for reference of GMO organisms is like crops, for example, we've genetically modified corn and soybeans and stuff like that. And now we're seeing that we're monocropping. Mm. And what is monocropping affecting? Now we're getting less nutritious fruits and vegetables because they're, we're depleting the soil. Mm. And that's a repercussion to our health now. Now we have poor gut microbes, which is going to tie into the next topic. And it's the snowball effect that we're experiencing in society. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to think about. And like you said, it's, you're going to you tie it nicely to the gut biome, which is our next point that I want to bring up, how the, how the gut biome has potential effects on blood pressure. There's some studies out there that are showing the importance of, of gut biome. And of course, what builds up the gut biome is the foods that, that you eat. So we're holistic beings, so we rely on, on everything in, in nature to sustain us, right? So this regarding the gut biome and the gut biome and hypertension is some studies are actually showing that the, the gut biome health and structure is directly correlated with hypertension. So ultimately, it's also showing that whatever you eat is also an influence in your, in your blood pressure, in your heart disease, in your, in your heart health. And that's just something mind-blowing because we've always looked at as cardiac disease from a different standpoint. We never tied it into gut microbe. No, and it's like, always the pump and the... Right, you know, the pipes. And, and how we talked in the beginning of the episode that 20% of people that have hypertension are unable to be treated with antihypertensive medications. Maybe those people need a, a adjustment in a gut biome and a gut health, and that might be the solution to their hypertension. Yeah, it's. I'm trying to think about this because we're, we're realizing more and more, and we're going to have a full episode about the gut microbe that we're going to release in the future. It's mind-blowing. We're, we're planning on getting some kits for ourselves. There's different kind of kits we're going to compare in the next couple of days, the best ones. We're going to purchase it. We're going to send out a sample to the lab, and we're going to actually do a deep dive into gut microbe, the diversity, um, the microbiota, everything, how it has its effects. And we're going to actually compare our results and 
see what we need to work on, for example, because sometimes you might have increased like metabolic oxalate levels and you have to stop uh, eating those foods that have that like eggs and peanut butter and everything. And that's going to reduce calcium, whatever that could prevent kidney stones. It also transforms the diversity of the micro uh, gut microbiota. Yeah, it's so interesting, like the study of the gut, how something that's so overlooked, because no one really cares too much about GI health, just because it's kind of gross and something almost taboo to talk about. But I like how there's more relevant and more research coming, not relevant, but how there's more relevant research coming out regarding the gut health and the gut microbiome and how it affects your brain, your heart now, the way you live, and you just your overall, overall health. And more and more, it's like these critters, these trillion critters that are in your gut, they're almost pulling the levers on the human body. So it's like you have your consciousness that's aware of yourself, you're aware of your body, but now you have to be aware of what you're consuming because, hey, that gut microbe is pulling levers. And now it's freaking hypertension. Like, what? That's a trip, man. You know what's interesting concepts to look at is how we are humans on a giant ecosystem of Earth. Yes. And our bodies are on Earth for for these microorganisms. Like they live on us it's a very, and inside yeah. us the same way we live on, on the earth. So your body is literally almost like a temple. So it's like, how are you going to treat the city that's inside? Right. Because if you're treating it bad and you're eating processed foods, that that's changing the system of it. So it's like almost like humans, correct? Mm-hmm. The way to think about the gut microbe, it's like society. We have processed foods. Now we have an epidemic of obesity, diabetes. Now these people are sick, very susceptible to viruses. Now we have a pandemic, there's people dying. Mm-hmm. And, and look, look what our gut microbe doing. It's like introducing antibiotic. It's just killing a bunch of things. What are the repercussions of now introducing antibiotics mm-hmm. long-term to the body? C. diff, like it's, it's crazy. Everything comes full circle in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super interesting to look at. And Matt and I looked at some studies regarding this and how, how are they conducting this research. And we have a bunch of these studies on our show notes. If you guys are very interested, we always have links on our show notes regarding the studies. But one study that we looked at actually demonstrated that high blood pressure is associated with gut microbiota dysbiosis. So dysbiosis is a miscommunication. Just the organisms in your gut aren't in the proper locations within the proper amounts. And what they were talking about is, is the nutrition that you consume affects your gut biome, creates it what it is, which internally affects your blood pressure. A lot of people think that, hey, they eat healthy, and the healthy food is what gets them these antihypertensive effects. That's true, but the food that you consume actually affects your gut flora, which then dictate these blood pressure issues. Yes. So ultimately, if you eat a healthy diet, that indirectly changes your blood pressure, but directly changes your gut flora, which then directly changes your, your blood pressure and your cardiac disease. Yeah. What, I'm going to share like a quick little story. When it, where it became very self-aware of this mm-hmm. with the gut microbe it's like when i was in poland but prior to that i was in eighth grade and i had my appendix taken out i got peritonitis needed a pick line had long-term iv antibiotics i went to poland a couple of years later and there's a change of atmosphere i'm also human so i'm a, i'm getting affected by the atmosphere but my gut my microbe is getting affected as well mm-hmm. and i had crazy stomach pains i went to the polish hospital they didn't know what was going on with me. They wanted to GI scope me. Uh, didn't want to do that, refused that. Went to a special doctor, Chinese medicine, that took a blood sample and ran it underneath a microscope. And he saw that my GI tract is like upset. Like you need to reintroduce different foods. I went on a special cleanse, took specific pills. And that's when I became aware that like, wow, 
yes, you have the body, and if you work out, that helps you, but also you have the microbe. Mm-hmm. And that, that upset me. That created nausea, vomiting in my, in my body. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting how we're just one giant ecosystem, Gi- yeah. living in a one giant ecosystem, right? And, and then, yeah, and that goes with like the brand that we're mm-hmm. creating because everything comes full circle between like the mind, body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. You take off, you know, you upset one or the other, and the, it gets affected. And same thing here as, you know, we're talking about. You're just like in like a, like an uncontrolled rhythm almost, like a, like a, like a dysrhythmia. Like think about your heart rate and like your, your you know, science rhythm, tachycardia, things like that. They're all dysrhythmias. They're throwing it off balance. And we talked about a few episodes back, the vibration three, you know, how we're all vibrating. Well, there's different ways of, of, of vibrating. And if we're not vibrating at proper frequency, then, you know, you're not going to be as healthy as you can be. And it goes back to the whole holistic approach. That's just like a little, little three information. Yeah, thing. it's a little, it's a tidbit. Yeah, another study that we looked at was actually very interesting. I actually looked at intermittent fasting and how it affects your gut flora, which then internally affects blood pressure. So what this study did is, it was with some rats and some humans, but with the rats, what they did is they took a rat with like a blank gut, so they have no gut, gut microorganisms, and they took out the gut flora from a rat that had hypertension and introduced it into this clean gut. And then another sample, they took the gut flora from non-hypertensive rats and introduced it to this clean gut. And what it showed is that if you introduce the hypertensive flora from the gut of, of the rat that had hypertension into the clean rat, is it gets hypertension. And then for the one that got the, the gut microbes from the non-hypertensive rat, stayed non-hypertensive. So it just shows that there's a correlation between certain amount of the organisms or certain type of organism in your gut that affects your blood pressure. So yeah. they're slowly able to kind of pinpoint which flora, which overgrowth, which undergrowth actually causes these blood pressure issues. And I wonder if this is going, is going to be introduced in the future to hospitals more because that's completely disconnected. It's like thinking about how many of our patients have a probiotic added. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, do you ever hear a doctor talking about maybe we should stop these antibiotics if if the blood cultures are negative because we're ruining his gut microbe? Yeah. We're not talking about that. Right. And then these patients are on, uh, you know, anti-anxiety meds, antidepressants, and, like, the, you know, the list keeps on going. Yeah. And I loved how, like, you know, we've also mentioned, like, intermittent fasting here, and there's a bias because we practice it religiously almost. We mm-hmm. we do it every day. But this is just another factor that, like, you need to have the approach of eat, stop, eat. Yeah. And just because breakfast, you know, we have the assumption that time is relevant. So breakfast has to be always in the morning and you have to eat it no matter what. If you don't feel hungry, don't force yourself. I'm working 12 hour shifts and I'm not consuming food the first thing in the morning. And I, and I feel fine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just not how I'm operating. Right. I was listening to a podcast, the Tom Bailu one with the, with the guy with just talking about the guy microbiota. He said that one of the main issues he has in his clinic is, is constipation. That not, not being the typical constipation you think of where, you know, you have, you have trouble taking a poop, but the one that you never fully empty yourself. Whereas people, where it's unhealthy for people to always be at 30%, right? Because they never empty completely. Yes. And it's really cool to look at it. We'll probably take a look at it into it, but I want to talk too much about it because I feel like we're going to create another episode regarding the whole gut health. Exactly. So I don't want to jump too much into it. I feel like we could save it for next episode and go into it more detailed. But it was very interesting to to hear that that the GI doctor just to speak on 
and the ports of gut health. He even mentioned that he just needs three things from you to, to find your main issue. He needs a CT scan, an endoscopy, and a colonoscopy. And then he also needs your signs and symptoms of how you're feeling and what's going on. And you could figure out what you need to improve in your gut. Yeah, one thing that like blows my mind thinking about the hospital setting and the gut microbe is also like sepsis, for example. We know that chronic inflammation like ruins the gut lining where it creates space. Mm -hmm. And all these opportunistic uh, bacteria are able to pass through the gut lining into the bloodstream. And then we have sepsis and we're wondering like, how are these people getting sick? And it could just be all internal. Right. It could all stem from the gut. You know, it's crazy. And you know how bad it gets if someone perfs their bowel. Like that's just, you know, that could go wrong real quick. And that could be super damaging. You can never know what could happen. And, th- and that was my experience of my mm. appendix perf. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's why that's how you get peritonitis. It's just like it's just leaking shit. Mm. <laughs> Technically, yeah. that's, you know, your whole body's sterile except for its gut. If you if you want to think about the uh, the whole GI tract, think about it as an independent person from the body. It enters through the mouth, leaves through the rectum, but it never touches the internal body. We just absorb nutrients from it through the GI yeah. tract. Yeah, that's crazy. And they say the majority of your immune system is also located in your GI tract, which makes sense because that's where all the foreign objects are going into. Yeah, cool. I think guys for tuning in. See you in a, you know, a couple of days, maybe a week. Maybe you could listen to another of our older episodes, you know, this, every day. This is a quick one. You're going to be like, whoa, you guys are over? Yes, yeah. we are. See you guys next week. Thank you guys for listening as always. Peace, love. Bye-bye. Peace.